We're going to conclude our time in Romans together when we get to chapter 16. I looked back, I was just curious myself, when we started, it was March 4th. So it's been, um, actually, that's not really that long. Some of you would agree. I know Mike would say that's not long at all for covering the book of Romans, but we are going to bring it to a close. It's been a fruitful time. I want you to know in my life, it's been an extremely fruitful book to study and to dive deeply in and uh, and it's just a great thing that we can do that in the church and go through books in the Bible. And I've heard people, and I'm sure it might even be on one of these cards, people have mentioned to me, I just feel like I understand an entire book and understand how it fits in the whole Bible. That's what preaching ought to do as we um, are led through God's Word. So I'm going to read from chapter 16 today, uh, towards the end of it. There's a lot of names that uh, I will definitely reference, but I'm not going to read those parts I'm going to read uh, from verses 17 through the rest, 27, and uh, concludes the book. This is what Paul writes. After a series of greetings to numerous people, which we will talk about, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive their hearts of the naive. For your obedience, he's speaking to the church in Rome, is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sospater, my kinsmen, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me, and the whole church greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. And then Paul ends with this doxology of praise. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and made and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. As always, I invite you to pray. If you're new to that, just ask God, say a simple prayer. Just say, God, would you speak to my heart through the scriptures? Would you reveal something about you to me? You pray for yourself, and I'll pray for us collectively as we come to God's Word now. Father, I thank you for this book. It's truth. It's living. It's active. Penetrates our soul. Gives encouragement to the weary. Gives strength to those that are weak. Gives direction to those who are misguided gives love to those who desperately need it and to see your goodness and love and the love of Jesus calling people to himself. I pray that happens today. I pray that we would follow Jesus more fully as we come to your word, that you would speak to our souls in such a way that we would desire you more and, Father, that we would treasure Christ more as our highest treasure. Father, make the gospel our only ambition in this life. And if there is one that doesn't know you this morning, that they would know of your overwhelming love and grace through the cross, finished work of the cross, that Jesus shed his blood for sinners. 
so that we could be reconciled with you. May you be glorified in this time. We praise you and thank you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. So before I get to my main aim, as I said, of praising God for all that he has done as we close out this chapter, I want to make sure I address the couple key points before that. I believe they're relevant in the aim of praising God for these things. And I was able to even read through briefly these cards that were shared and just glorious that God is doing a work in the hearts of his people. Romans is a book of doctrine. It's one of the richest, deepest books of theology in the New Testament. Some have called it the best book in the New Testament, and I would argue that they're all good, but Romans certainly is a deep well of knowledge when you come to the gospel and your full understanding of what the law was and how Jesus fulfilled it and how the gospel should be our passion and priority and how God looks at the church and its purpose and how he wants to unite the church of Christ in a way that goes out forth and sends uh, the message of the gospel through the world to the deepest corners of the world to the unknown parts where the gospel hasn't even gone And Paul is writing to these people and he's commending them and he's challenging them and he's warning them and he's doing all of these things. But regarding the books of doctrine, both scripture and I would say even doctrinal books outside of scripture, we're challenged by them at times because they're so heavy and thick. And some of us in our culture, we want something easier, easier to understand and maybe something we can go to uh, that will like make us feel a certain way. And so in regards to this, C.S. Lewis, great author and theologian, wrote this about doctrinal books, about both chapters and, and rich books of the scripture, but also books of theology and doctrine. He says this, I tend to find that doctrinal books often more are often more helpful in devotion than devotional books. And I rather suspect that the same experience may await many others. I believe that many who find that nothing happens when they sit down or kneel down to a book of devotion would find that the heart sings unbidden while they are working their way through a tough bit of theology with a pipe in their teeth and a pencil in their hand. Now to you kids, I would say, skip the pipe in your teeth, but do the pencil, set the iPad down. But... That's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? Sometimes the work of doctrine is tough. Understanding big things about God, it's less appealing than picking up our daily bread devotional or a Jesus calling book or opening that app in our Bible app and looking for the verse of the day. Not to say that any of those things are bad by themselves, but it's certainly more time consuming to sit with the scriptures open, to sit with the attributes of God open, to sit with Packers knowing God open and to just think and wrestle with the truths of who God is, the product of studying good doctrine and reading the Bible richly and chewing on it. He's saying, C.S. Lewis is saying it's more great in its impact. It's longer lasting. When you plumb the depths of God's knowledge and who he is, which we'll never attain, by the way. Christianity is this weird, never-gonna-get-there journey, but always striving to know more about who God is. In my journey, that's what it's been as I learn more about God's sovereignty, as I, in some ways, understand less about why he's been so good to me. And I bump into his character more. I can worship him. And my heart, like C.S. Lewis says, does sing more. When I ask the question, what do you do with doctrine? What do you do with all this doctrine? 
that we have learned in this book of Romans? What do you do with it? All this theology and practical stuff that we have learned, what do you do with it? Three things at least are mentioned in chapter 16 as Paul closes. The first being this. You give your life to it. You give your life to it. Paul closes his letter to the church of Rome with commendations and greeting to this whole list in the first 16 verses of his fellow workers. And while I don't tend to spend a lot of time reading all those names, you should read those names. I don't want to dismiss them. There is a truth to be gleaned even from the greetings Paul is making in the scriptures. Paul ends at the end, writes at the end of this letter to his gospel workers in the church. That's not to say that all of them were full-time Christian workers as we know today in our culture, that they're not in full-time ministry. They mostly were not. But it does show the importance of people and gospel laborers in the church. Paul is recognizing them. And this is important. This isn't just a list of names that you're going to try to like struggle through and say all their names right. And nobody wants to like get chosen to read that scripture because I'll like trip all over these words. This is important. Paul writes to these fellow laborers in the gospel because these people had one big aim in life. And so he highlights them as if to say, these are the people that get it. It was the work for the advancement of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they gave their life to that big purpose. Nothing more in life defined them more than living a life for the gospel. And so Paul highlights them, and they were just regular people, saved and redeemed by the irregular grace of God. They gave their time, their talents, their resources, devotion, and sometimes, even in this culture, which may eventually come in our culture, we don't understand this, but sometimes they gave their very life for the gospel and martyrdom, the mission of it. They were people in the church that wanted to shout from the rooftops, look what God did. Look what he did. Look what he did in the person of Jesus Christ. Look what he did in my life redeeming me. Look what he did. Me who was lost and hopeless gave me hope. Look what he did. And I'll read some of those things on these cards. Look what he did. Those were people that got it. And it's a good pause for all of us now in this moment on whether or not we would find our name on a written list like this. It's a good pause. Like, would I be found as one of Paul's workers or if, if, if I was going to write a letter about the people of real hope, would I be on that list? And this is not a list about any, anybody for their own glory, anybody in a favoritism way. Paul looked at these people and said, greet this person. She's been a laborer with me. Greet this person. She's been a servant in the church. Greet this brother. He has put his neck out on a line for the gospel. Greet this person. Say hello to this person. Not just his friends. You got to imagine Paul. He was... I don't know if Paul had a lot of friends. He said some pretty harsh things. You know, things that like offended people. But he said, greet this brother. They lived their life for the gospel. People knew who those people belonged to. Do people know that about you? How seriously we take the charge from Jesus Christ himself to go and make disciples, to go and spread the good news. I challenged us last week. Do your neighbors know who you belong to? Do they know who you, you worship, who you come in and sing about on Sunday, or is it just a thing on an hour on Sunday morning? Remember the two main themes in Romans, a united missionary church for the advancement of the gospel, sharing Christ with the world and showing love to one another and partnering together while doing it, 
anyone on this list got that. That's the first thing. They gave their life to it, their life to the mission of the gospel. The second thing of what do you do with all this doctrine is seen in Paul's warning. You protect it. That's the second thing. You protect it. After his greetings and commendation, Paul turns quickly with one final warning for the church. And it's kind of surprising in verse 17, after he makes his greeting, that he kind of just suddenly just charges these people with instructions that makes them understand this could be a real problem. It is a real problem in the church. Of all the things to write them at the end, what the apostle John would have done, love one another, do this, do this, he says, watch out. For anyone who would break unity within the church body, my paraphrase. He says, I appeal to you, watch out for those who cause divisions, create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. Watch out. Paul says the church's unity is so important that they need to be watchful and aware that there were some and will always be some who enter the church pushing their own agenda. He says there'll always be somebody that comes in that wants to be about them. There'll always be someone that comes in that wants to break apart unity in the church. Satan will always use people in that way to divide the church and break harmony so the gospel would be less seen, less known. And, and I've said this before, if you're a victim of that or if you're a part of church conflict and church hurt, I apologize for that. It's part of the reality of what Satan does in the hearts of people at times when we don't keep the eyes of doctrine in that protect mode, and we don't keep unity in front of us in getting over ourselves. And Paul says, there's always going to be something, always someone coming in, working against the natural flow of things, always operating out of their own doctrine, contrary to the scriptures and teaching of Jesus. And Paul says, avoid them. Harsh words, but for the sake of protecting the body and its mission, he says, avoid them. Paul notes how you can detect this kind of person in the church. This isn't where everybody starts to spin their head and look at everybody, all right? Look at yourself first. I'll look at me too. He says in verse 18, he says, they rarely serve their, or they really serve their own appetites. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive their hearts of the naive. Now, before you go wondering who this may be, I think we all need to, again, check our own hearts with this warning. I mentioned weeks ago that we all come into this place as people. Do we come in these doors for us or do we come in these doors for the Lord himself and for others? Do we come into this place seeking opportunity to minister to others or do we come in toting Bible in hand and saying, I just want to be fed today. I would challenge that, that that is part of our own appetite. If you come into a church saying, this is for me, this is about me today, then that's going to be a challenge. That's going to be a disruption to harmony when we are here to exalt the name of Jesus together, to serve and love one another, to use our gifts according to one another in the body, and to edify it, and to build it, and to strengthen it. And seldom should we, if never, should we come in here and think, this is about me today. Now, I'm challenged with that every week. I have a heart just like yours. It's hard sometimes. It's certainly prideful at times. And I need to be reminded who I do this for, who I give my gifts to, to Jesus, to others. And Paul says there's always going to be people in the church who aren't there for Jesus. They're there for themselves. And time will flesh all of that out. I could tell you stories upon stories 
of the people and conversations I've had in 17 years of ministries as I've watched people come and go and the ones who stay. I can tell you stories and stories of people that I'll meet. Now you're going to be scared to talk to me afterwards. People I meet that I I shake their hand and say, hey, you know, and, and there's just like this agenda thing like about them. And I'm just leaving like, what's your deal here? Like, do you want to grow together in the body? Or do you like have a thing? Because we don't do things. And I'm, I'm protective in that way. You know, that, that's when I recognize that somebody might be here for the wrong reason. And I want all people to come into this place and experience the love of Jesus more than anyone else. But sometimes there is somebody here for the wrong reason. Now there's immaturity and there's a lot of grace and patience that goes along that. But I believe it's wise to heed Paul's instruction and attention to this warning here. And you know, I feel it relevant to say this. I know sometimes we as elders and me as a pastor here make decisions and in particular actions that don't seem the most popular at times. And for me, especially seen at times as overly aggressive when issues arise in the church. But I offer you you a different perspective on that. When I come at issues like this, when I come at people that have agendas because I know that in my own life I can be prideful and have my own that need to be checked. When I come at that in the role that God has placed me in, I take that charge to protect the unity of the gospel in our church very seriously. It's a task that God has placed in my hands, and I don't take it lightly. So if you've ever thought, well, I thought maybe Craig was a little harsh in that decision, offer you that perspective. When, when there are people issues or doctrinal issues that could easily divide and destroy the church, even ones that you would consider, maybe because you don't know all the details or you don't have all the information, well, is it really that bad that it needed to warrant this kind of action? At least know where we're coming from. Trust me when I say I don't serve in leadership for my own appetite. I say that because it's not always the most popular spot. Just even last week, somebody told me, yeah, there's somebody who really doesn't like you at all. I thought, well, that's why I do it, so people don't like me. That makes me feel really good at night. I do it because God asked, and he wants us to honor Jesus, and I love the church, and I want the gospel to be spread. And so Paul says, you got to protect this. This is on you. This isn't just on the elders, the pastors. This is for us to protect the good doctrine so what do, you all, what do you do with all this doctrine? First and foremost, you give your life to it, and then you protect it. Paul says to these people in verse 19, the obedience is known to all. He says their church in Rome, this obedience is known to all. He rejoices over them because they're people that are living out the gospel, but then warns them again to what is wise and good and avoid what is evil. He says, be careful. Always keep the main thing, the main thing. Always keep the gospel as your aim and ambition. When you come in and you don't like this or that about the church and the service time doesn't quite fit your schedule, really, it's been said. You don't like the music and you struggle with this, keep the main thing the main thing. Do we honor Jesus? Do we celebrate the gospel? Is the Bible supreme here? That's the main thing. He says, be careful. Always keep the gospel your ambition and aim. And then he has this hopeful reminder. He encourages him with verse 20. He essentially says, God wins. I want you to know that, church. The enemy will soon be destroyed forever under your feet. He gives the church in Rome, he gives us today this hopeful reminder. Satan will be crushed under your feet. All this spiritual attack 
this thing that you fight against in your own heart, all these people issues, all these addictions that you struggle with, all this sin, all the things that trip us up and hinder and destroy unity and mission in the church, it is soon going to be crushed by the Lord himself. All this stuff that we just struggle with in sin because of the fallen nature, it's soon going to be crushed. All this disease, all this cancer, all of this stuff is soon going to be defeated for once and for all, forever. So he says, take heart, the God of peace is with you. Finally, after a few more greetings in verses 21 through 23, Paul reveals the ultimate product of good doctrine. What do you do with doctrine? He says you praise God for it. He says the first thing you do is you give your life to it. The second thing you do is you protect it. And the third thing you do is you praise God for it. And he ends in doxology because good doctrine always leads to doxology, to praise. Paul writes this at the end here. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forever and ever through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's why I wanted to end this morning with these cards to just praise God for what he is doing in the lives of our people here, to praise him. And I you know I said I was going to read a couple of these, but I, as I read through them, I said, well, I have to, they're not many, but I'll read through all of them. Listen to these things as we reflect upon looking at what God did. He stirred my heart to be more intentional about caring for others in the church family. God moved my heart closer to him through this church. Praise him. I learned to bear with others, keep on with endurance, to not give up, to chew on God's word and apply it, to pray, pray, pray for others in giving thanks always. Change for the better my marriage. God brought an old friend back into my life, and this friend had given me hope and strength in a difficult time. That we will worship in the good, the hard, though you slay me, yet I will worship. Everyone is walking a story. Most are not easy, and it's important to praise God in the hard times as a true testimony. Everything brought into my life by God's hand is by his design to make me more like him. What he brings to me is the best for me. Look what God did, financial provision, doctrines among church relations. The Lord has blessed me tremendously through Romans in directing further study, growth in him as a family. Regardless of how others treat me, I'm called to truly love others. Romans spoke truth into this season of my life. I needed to be reminded that I can deny my flesh and have <sighs> something through Christ. Peace, patience, a P word, is at work through him in the struggle over sin. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for me. Praise the Lord. I learned how important it is to make only the gospel my priority. To weep with those who weep. To rejoice with those who rejoice that I can't do anything, but God can. Let him. A whole heart and mind renewal on living in the Spirit in a Christ-like way. How amazing that he loves and chooses and loves even me, an awful sinner. Bringing healing to a dear friend's daughter after a motorcycle accident. Everything good. 
healing a friend's sister who we have been praying for over a year. God continues to give me grace no matter what. His love is enough to keep me in his arms. No matter what this world throws at me, the price he paid is great, and I am not worthy, but his death shows me I am. God is great and greatly to be praised. The Lord brought renewed hope after a very painful miscarriage, according to Romans 5, 1 through 5. Praise God for my family, all the flaws and struggles his love overcomes and leads. God, thank you for loving me through all my flaws. God has taught me that I am capable of leading and teaching others. He also taught me that I need to be available to non-believers. He also is telling me to come and care more and love others. He has used the words, be a peacemaker, to help me be calm in hard situations and not use argument to get my way. To remember Jesus and that God is faithful. He changed my heart on how and why I serve my brothers and sisters in Christ. He has freed me from the law. Soften my heart, soften my heart, soften my heart. More of you and less of me. Did I wake breathing? Enough said. He has made such a change in our lives. He has enriched our lives in a way I never thought possible. Through him, relationship is stronger with him and each other. To love one another with all my heart. He took my very intense fear of childbirth and used it to grow my faith in him and taught how I can truly trust him in everything. God has reminded me of his goodness and the gift of hope that only he can give. As I have witnessed two saints enter his presence with joy and peace while trusting in their Lord and Savior, I have found myself overflowing with hope. He opened doors and made connections to more homes in the future, blessed my family with resources in a godly school. He assured me of his love and faithfulness to prayers, to love urgently, to love genuinely, to be able to tell a friend going through a very hard time that God is in control. I am a saint and righteous in Christ today. This is not a future promise, but true now. Everyone I choose, every, therefore, I choose to live victoriously in Christ today, regardless of my earthly circumstances, yea, God. We are sinners, unworthy of, rede- un- unworthy of redemption. God is forgiving and made a way for us to secure our salvation through his Son. Praise God. God has given me peace. I have truly received it because the joy of the Lord is now my joy every day. That God is so dot, dot, dot good. He saves those he is under no obligation to save. Romans 9 through 11. I am so thankful for his grace and mercy. He chose me. I didn't choose him. He loved me and chose me before he laid the foundations of this earth. Not for my gain, not for me, but for his glory. He makes all things work together for his good. Christ is Lord. Yahweh is King. He gave me the power and glory of his name and strength, forgave my sins. Unfaltering faith, our battles define on who we, our battles define on who we are Through his plan, he guides us. Regardless of how others treat me, I am called to love others. Carrying me through, I continue to surrender and let him guide, loved and cared for me. Love and gratitude fills my heart. He taught me through Romans 12, 18, do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as it is possible. Youth ministry, he has drawn me closer to him. He has helped me to understand the Bible better. Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors through God. We can do anything. And praise God for healing. Praise God for, for giving me the privilege to care for the sick. 
Look what God did. Amen? These are the praises of his people. The praises of his people. When God opens our hearts and minds and teaches us and and shows us our need for him, it ought to lead to praise. Paul writes at the end of Romans with great praise. Praise that we, his people, get to celebrate the gospel and preach Jesus with our lives. Praise that God has revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ in the scriptures and praise that he would lead us only to one thing. And it says it there in verse 27 or 26, to bring about the obedience of faith for the glory of God. Is that your life's ambition? To live obediently in faith for the glory of God. Is that your life's passion? Is that your life's priority? To take all that you have, all this struggle that you have, all this sin that you're stuck in, all these relationships that they're just complex and difficult and say, you know what? I'm going to live out the gospel through obedience and faith for the glory of God in all of them. I'm going to do the hard things that are required. I'm going to be at peace when somebody, when they're not being peaceful with me. I'm going to love somebody when they're not being loving to me. I'm going to flee and run from this addiction, even if it means hard things that I have to do. I'm going to walk into relationships with unbelievers and share Jesus with them because that's my aim and ambition, the gospel. And Paul would write your name on the list. And Jesus would write your name on the list and say, you get it. You get it. That's your ambition. One thing. It's not for success. It's not for your own pride. It's not for your glory. It's not for your own agenda. It's not for you coming into church thinking this is about you. It's about him. And you get to be a part of that. To say with your life, through this whole book, through this, all these coming days, look what God did. Look what he did. That we would be a people that say that. That the only wise God, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. This is what it says. I'll read it again. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a blessed day and go in peace.